It's time for the Tom Sumner Program. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show with music, comedy and special guest interviews every Monday through Friday. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Our theme music is Fruit of the Louvre, provided by Flint composer-producer Howard Eddy. Stay tuned, because it's on now. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. The Tom Sumner Program. Hi, I'm U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow, and I'm listening to the Tom Sumner Show. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the show. I'm Tom Sumner, and uh, we got an interesting one in store. It's Wednesday. Of course, that means uh, armchair politics coming up in about an hour. We'll have uh, two hours of uh, commentary and analysis uh, about the headlines from the worlds of politics and current events with our our panel of political pundits, uh, our roundtable regulars, if you will, Flint's premier political pundit, Paul Rosicki on the left, longtime Genesee County Republican Henry Hatter on the right, and they'll be joined, and it's always fun, when we have uh, Janworth Nelson from East Village Magazine. She is a consulting editor for that publication. And uh, and I think the driving force between the... Uh, uh, well, over the last several years in the um, journalistic excellence that uh, East Village Magazine is being recognized for, I think, by most people who read it and and uh, follow it and track it. Um, but I was going to say uh, a couple things that, that I want to talk about. I haven't done a lot about local... Uh, campaigns and, and local politics. Things are a little bit different. Of course, we, I've been trying to get all the candidates for governor on the uh, Republican side of the aisle because it's been such a, such a weird and, and uh, interesting race starting out with 10 candidates, five that had problems with their petitions and got bounced off the ballot. We've heard from a couple of them two or three of them, actually, and um, and we've heard from a couple of the candidates that have been on the ballot. I was gonna, I've, I've been going back and forth, you know, chasing these candidates around. They're always trying to figure out how to get the biggest bang for their time, and uh, I'm having a heck of a time. I was hoping to have uh, Tudor Dixon um, locked up for today in place of Kevin Rinke, who was scheduled for today, but got moved back to next Wednesday. And I was hoping to get Tudor on today, and we're still going back and forth, but not about today. Um, so um, I, I have something interesting in its place, but I did want to mention before I tell you what's coming up next, that uh, next week I'm going to do a, a bunch of shows that are about how the district lines have changed and to talk about that I'm going to talk to some candidates from some 
particularly interesting races. Now I'm reaching out to all the candidates for mayor of Flint, but starting Monday, I'm going to have a um, several of the candidates from the uh, 68th district state House of Representatives seat, and including uh, David Martin, who you could say is an incumbent, but even the incumbents are finding themselves running in altered or completely different districts. And uh, I'm going to try and talk to some people about that experience. Um, but also, um, there's a candidate in that race that surprised me a little bit from ABC 12 News, um, Sherry Hardman. And I think maybe some of you remember her from her uh, broadcasts as anchor for the ABC 12 weekend news. And um, we're going to talk with Sherry. But also, and, and they're coming back. They've, uh, they've, they've run before, but this is a new district for them. A husband and wife team that are running for, for that seat. Um, one is a Republican and one is a Democrat. And we'll talk to the Freiburgers uh, coming up Monday. And then throughout the week, we'll, we'll look at some other, uh, some other districts and, and other races that, that have some interesting qualities. And uh, hopefully you'll get a chance to hear some of, uh, some of the candidates that are running for offices and find out a little bit more about the new districts. Anyway, I mentioned I was planning to have, or I was trying to get uh, Tudor Dixon scheduled for this morning, and that didn't work out, and so it's kind of ironic because of things that she said um, that were um, anti-LGBTQ, especially with regard to um, its presence in public schools um, and, and young people being taught about it. And uh, so it's kind of ironic that I have in her place the co-authors of a book called If You're a Kid Like Gavin. Um, let's see if I get the rest of this right. Um, the True Story of a Young Trans Activist. And this is actually, uh, Gavin Grimm is the, uh, the young man um, who um, felt like he, he was uh, a boy, although he was always being treated as a girl. And, um, and then it caused a whole national uproar over what bathroom to use and it ended up being supreme court case all centered around this young man's activism and we're going to talk with him and the co-author we're going to talk with uh, gavin grimm and uh kyle lukoff coming up in oh just about a just about a minute or so and anyway it's uh, an interesting conversation and completely ironic that we would have uh, guests that are so specifically at the uh, opposite end of, of thinking about this than the, the guest we had uh, originally hoped to get. Anyway, uh, all that being said, um, 
This is the Tom Sumner Program. Um, we stream at TomSumnerProgram.com. If you miss an interview that you'd like to hear, you can always go to our website and uh, scroll through to the hour, to the date and hour of the interview you're looking for. And they're labeled there, so you can, you know, scroll and shop around a little bit. Anyway, stay tuned. we got lots of good stuff coming up on today's edition of the Tom Sumner Program. And welcome back, everybody. This is the Tom Sumner Program. And uh, my guests this hour co-wrote a... Uh, a book called um, If You're a Kid Like Gavin, The True Story of a Young Trans Activist. It's been written for um, for young readers. And who more appropriately to co-write a book for young readers but a young person himself, Gavin Grimm, and a two-time Stonewall Award-winning author of... Um, Books for Young Readers. He's a uh, former school li librarian who lives in Brooklyn, Kyle Lukoff, and the two join me by phone. Gavin, Kyle, good morning, and welcome to the show. Good morning, Tom. Thank you for having us. Um, Gavin, um, well, let, let me start with, uh, with Kyle, and we'll get back to, to Gavin, because the, the story is really about Gavin and and based on his life and experiences um but but let's talk to uh, Kyle first Kyle how did you get involved in helping to tell this story So I had heard about Gavin's story for as long as it was happening and it wasn't until I was working at my elementary school as a librarian with some of my students on a social justice project that I got the idea to get in touch with Gavin about this. My kids had been writing him letters of support, and they'd also been trying to make the bathrooms in our school more welcoming. Uh, they were all single-stall bathrooms, but they wanted to change the signs. Um, and I knew of Gavin, and I knew some of the people connected with him. And I had the sudden brainstorm that I would love to have a book for my kids to read about him and then realized that I would be a great person to write that story. So I got in touch with some of the people that Gavin worked with who put me in touch with him, and he gave me permission to get started. Gavin, um, you've been applauded for standing up for trans people, for yourself and for other trans people. Did you realize when you made the decision that, that you needed to do something about this, that the battleground was going to start in the bathroom? Well, certainly I realized <laughs> that that was sort of the pivotal issue that, that my community was sort of hanging on to. Um, that's, that's, you know, what I, why I found myself in the middle of that firestorm in the early days of the school board meetings facing my community and their sort of... Um, response to my presence there. But I, of course, didn't foresee the um, type of national conversation that it ended up uh, provoking, not necessarily my case individually, but the uh, broader conversation. And and can you, um, Gavin, can you draw me a, a, a little line um, from when you first decided to become active to 
this becoming a a Supreme Court case? Of course. Um, when I made the decision to bring this case, it was a matter of of I knew that what had happened to me was wrong. I knew it was discrimination. And when the ACLU got in contact, my perspective was it wasn't about whether or not I was going to fight back. It was, this is wrong. Of course I am. I'm not going to spend the rest of my high school career like this. So what are my vehicles for fighting back? Um, and when the ACLU stepped in, I was like, great, let's make the most noise possible. Who better to do this than them? And, um, from there, you know, this, this year's long battle, of course, I could never have predicted or expected that it would end up uh, before the Supreme Court. But uh, everything after that is sort of just a whirlwind of uh, legalese that I'm not um, qualified to understand or interpret. But knowing that I had a great team on my side um, with the ACLU and realizing very quickly that this uh, conversation was going to be much, much bigger than my high school in Gloucester, Virginia. Kyle, um, can you give a, um, I, I, don't, I don't know if, if synopsis is the right word, but can you give kind of a synopsis of uh, the book? The book, again, is uh, If You're a Kid Like Gavin, The True Story of a Young Trans Activist. Uh, can, can you uh, just sort of give a synopsis of the story that's in the book? So the plot is fairly simple. It basically follows Gavin essentially from when he first started coming out as trans up through the his 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 attempts to use the boys' bathroom, what resulted from that, and then his connection with the ACLU and his work after that. Everything is some of the more complicated legal aspects are much more broadly glossed over because there's no real way to describe like a fourth circuit court to a to a six to a six-year-old but the book is more largely framed around the concept of choices so it's framed around what were the choices that gavin had what were the choices that people tried to take away from him what did he do despite other people's attempts to keep him quiet and also connecting it to the larger idea of what are choices that kids get to make? What are choices that kids don't get to make? And how can kids who feel like Gavin, which is to say kids who feel as if there is something in their community that they want to change, what what choices do they get to make about that? And then how do they work to make those, how do they work to affect that change? So the plot is fairly simple, but I tried to make it something that both connects deeply to Gavin, but also has entry points for readers all along the way. And and I also want to mention uh, Jay Yang, who did the illustrations for the book, because they're, they're really quite good. And, and they, they make the story seem a, a little less serious or, um, oh, how can I, I, I guess that's the best way to say it. More with young trans activists, Gavin Grimm, and Kyle Lukoff, the co-authors of a book for young readers called If You're a Kid Like Gavin, The True Story of a Young Trans Activist. We'll have more straight ahead. Hello out there, everybody. It's me, Tigger. T-I-double-G-R. That spells Tigger. And don't forget to remember to listen to Tom Sumner program on account of because he's so bouncy. <laughs> 
I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Our lives have been turned upside down by COVID-19. When a vaccine becomes available, it's critical that all of us get it. What we do as individuals will impact everyone's health, including those who can't get the vaccine. We won't get through this unless everyone takes part. Now is the time to get up to date on all recommended vaccines for both kids and adults. Experts say it's more important than ever for everyone to get their flu vaccine this year. And if you're older, you should get both the flu and pneumonia vaccines since both illnesses can make COVID-19 even worse. Vaccines are available at a lot of convenient places. So be an example for friends and loved ones and encourage them to get vaccinated too. We all want to reunite, travel, and get back to school and work. But that means we all need to get on board. This is the time to do what's right for each other. Get vaccinated. It's our best shot. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe Bye from the Blue Lion. Dan Serling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Actor, comedian Joe Napote. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Annan. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's, uh, it's that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I've got willing to admit that. <laughs> hey, Tom, this is my favorite interview all It's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a Kind. And check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com. Discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County. Where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make. Throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods. And in the diverse city beyond. Where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air. Where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums. Where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses and where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County, where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at michigan.org. Babies come with lots of decisions. Cloth or disposable? Crib or bassinet? So when it comes to protection, go with the safest, most effective choice, vaccination. Get all the recommended vaccines for your baby by age two to protect your child against 14 serious childhood diseases. For more reasons to vaccinate, talk to your child's doctor. Go to cdc.gov vaccines or call 800-CDC-INFO. A message from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention.
This is Congressman Dan Kildee, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. More with young trans activists Gavin Grimm and Kyle Lukoff, the co-authors of a book for young readers called If You're a Kid Like Gavin, The True Story of a Young Trans Activist. We'll have more straight ahead. How was the decision made to to write a book for young readers, and, and what is the target age for this book? The target age for this, I'd say, is anywhere between... I tried to make it accessible for five- and six-year-olds, so a younger kid could have it read to them, and they would understand basically what was going on. But I tried to include enough depth in it that 10-year-olds could have conversations about it in their classrooms. That tends to be how I try to write picture books. Um, and then your question, sorry, can you repeat the first part of your question? How did I decide to write it for, for younger readers? Yeah. At this point, that was more where my expertise lied. I don't think I had started working seriously on my first middle grade novel yet. But at this point, I had had a couple picture books that were either in contract or already published. And I was also still actively working at an elementary school where the bulk of my job was reading both fiction and nonfiction picture books to kids between two-year-olds and 10-year-olds. So I was just very familiar on a day-to-day basis with that broad age group, what they were interested in, what they were able to comprehend, how to make something both simple enough for younger readers and complex enough for older readers. So I never really considered, I never considered writing it for middle grade or high schoolers, partially because, you know, Gavin, I, I love you and your story is fascinating, but there wasn't quite enough to expand for that. <laughs> and, and, right. and Gavin, let's let's talk a little bit about about your story. But but first, um, there are a lot of people who are going to think that the audience this book is geared to is too young for the subject matter. Do you know what I mean? There, well, there, of course. there are people not just because it deals with trans, but anything to do with sex or sexual identification, um, anything that has anything to do that might remotely have the word "sex" in it, um, is is not appropriate for um, very young ages and and a lot of people feel very strongly about that as you well know um when did you become aware that that you were closeted or being closeted so just to quickly interject the word sex does not appear in this book anywhere so those people yeah i was by that Yes, I was going to say the beauty of this book, one of the many things is that it doesn't actually have anything to do with sexuality, sexual orientation, the word sex, and sex is not a concept in this book, period. Um, It's a conversation about yourself, about speaking up for yourself and being yourself. Um, And so parents or, or people who interpret it as a book about sex are going to do so in bad faith regardless. In fact, Really what their opposition is, is to trans people and the conversation around being trans or being yourself. They're, they're going to find issue with it regardless. Um, as far as when I knew that I was closeted, I had a very long journey of um, evolving in my queer identity. I grew up in an environment where I had no access to um, examples of people that looked like me or people who felt like me. Um, 
And so I was, I was 11 or 12 when I realized that I was not a cisgender heterosexual child, but at first what, that, what, what language I had for that um, was that I knew I liked girls and people said I was a girl, so I guess I must be a lesbian. And I was around 12 when that was first something that I shared with other people. Um, but then I was 13 when I came out as a boy. I realized that there was this um, other word that described me much better, which was transgender. Um, so I was I was uh, 12, 13 when I was figuring that out, and I was 14 when I came out to uh, my my inner support system, including my uh, family, my mother. And people were referring to you or or treating you as as female, and you thought of yourself as as male. Um, how do you just decide that you're male i i mean what was what was it about you that made people see you one way and you see yourself another way well my relationship to my gender was something that evolved over again over a long period of time when i was like seven years old i didn't have a conception of myself necessarily strictly as a boy because i didn't have access to that that sort of language or even the idea that I was allowed to be who I was. Um, for, for me, I mean, there's so many different things that, that helped me identify who I was and how I was comfortable with, you know, I would say in early childhood, it's not the stereotypical, oh, I rejected everything girly, stereotypically girly, and I loved everything stereotypically masculine. I loved bugs and baby dolls and coloring and Pokemon and, you know, my cat and all sorts of things. Um, but what I was realizing was I was not identifying with the, the girl characters in media, which was not just, you know, princesses. It was I wasn't identifying with the tomboy characters or the, you know, the more well-rounded characters in general. I just wasn't seeing myself represented in narratives about girls, whereas I was noticing that my experiences who I felt like I was, these were all well represented by the boy characters or, or the references for those sorts of things that I had. And then when I got older, when I entered puberty, when I started having more complex peer social relationships, I realized um, that in fact, what I wanted and what I needed to be happy was to express myself in the way that I was comfortable, which was, was to dress masculinely was to, I wanted to, to, um, go on on testosterone therapy which is what i did and i you know i wanted my voice to be deeper i wanted a beard i wanted all of these things um and and so i sought that care and and i'm so so happy that i did although gavin and i actually have somewhat different experiences in that so i'm also trans but i didn't realize that about myself until i was in my late like 19 or 20 or so and for me, it was different because I, well, I mean, we have a lot of similarities, but for me, I was talking to a friend of mine who was saying that he didn't realize he was trans because all the trans men that he knew were extremely masculine, who wore baseball caps, who played sports, who liked straight women. And he said that he was only able to come out as trans once he realized that he could also be a gay man and wear, you know, flamboyant clothing and eyeliner and sparkles. And I heard him talking and I thought, oh, that's what I am. And you know when you're at the eye doctor and they flip a new lens onto your eye and suddenly everything is in focus? Yeah. That is exactly like what it felt like to me. I realized that I that once I realized that I wasn't, I, I never thought that I was a straight 
girl, but I tried briefly to be a lesbian like Gavin did. And then I realized that I was actually a gay man. And from that moment forward, everything started fitting into place. And that was almost 17 years ago now. And this is an awkward question for me, and I'm not sure if it should be or why it is, but is gender assignment or reassignment necessary to fully make the transition? Um, Are you asking specific questions about what we both did to our bodies, or are you asking more about our choices to live our lives? Um, Well, because I choose what to not one... talk about my body in public. Fair enough, um, but but I can't help but ask because you know I'm, I'm the the impression is that you just decide you feel more like a boy one day, and instead of being considered a, a tomboy, which is what when I was young we called um, girls who weren't girly, girly. You know, they climbed trees and collected bugs and stuff. Um, how do you just change your clothes and start taking testosterone and and become personified as male? Uh, if, if I could offer... Yeah, magic. Trans magic, if I could offer. Uh, <laughs> it sounds kind of like... It sounds like your original question was, uh, do you need some kind of medical sexual reassignment to be considered truly the gender that you are? And my answer is no, of course not. Of course not. We shouldn't be gatekeeping people's bodies. We shouldn't be telling people what they should be having to do to qualify as who they are. Um, everybody's journey with their gender looks different. There are trans people who have an understanding of themselves that is outside of the gender binary. There are trans people who cannot afford medical transition and should never be denied uh, agency to declare who they are because they couldn't or didn't want to, for example, go on testosterone. Um, you know, how, how can someone just wake up and declare who they are? Well, we do it every day in many, many, many ways, and gender is one of the only things that people gatekeep and scrutinize so harshly. I, I'm, I'm trying to, to understand a little bit about the thought process and and what you go through intellectually, emotionally in in making these kinds of decisions. Because for a lot of people listening, uh, Caitlyn Jenner is is the model for a trans person, right or wrong. That's what people think, and and almost exclusively um, males changing to female. Um, and and it, it, it seems harder to understand going the other way, and I'm not sure why that is. Do you have any idea why that is? I think that was a fairly common point of view for, for a while, but I do also think that that, is, that that has changed pretty significantly, especially within our own communities. But I would also say, so first I would, argue, I would say that it is cool to try to understand, but of course, we all know that there is somewhat limited utility in just asking one person to share their particular story because we are mostly the experts on, on ourselves and we often have different ways of describing ourselves. But what's great is that so many different kinds of trans people are artists and writers and filmmakers and poets 
And there is so much created by us that gives you a much broader glimpse into how we come to be who we are that is so much more useful than any one or two people's personal stories. You know, I want to ask you about the, uh, about the title of the book. It's If You're a Kid Like Gavin. And I'm, I, I think there are people who are going to look at this book, see this book in, uh, in bookstores, and think it's saying, come be like Gavin. And it doesn't say that at all. What do you think is, is, are the important lessons that come out of the story, um, Gavin, that you lived and uh, uh, Kyle, that, that you've lived and helped write? Well, uh, just um, a quick thought on that. Even if, if, if the book were to, to be implying, you know, come be like Gavin, I think that can represent, I don't, I think this focus on the trans, the, the aspect of me being trans, that could represent speaking up for yourself or being true to yourself. It doesn't have to necessarily be, come be like Gavin in the, in the concept of being trans. I think we were hoping that this is resonating with all kids, a message of empowerment and a, a message that they can do so much um, to change the world around them and to take control of their circumstances. So um, I think that's a, a great point of the book. When Yeah, I agree. Oh. Go ahead. Yeah, please. Oh, I would just say that I agree that my, I know that people will take from this book what they bring to this book, but I worked really hard at making the primary theme be this idea of autonomy and power and the choices that you have, the choices that other people want to give you and what you do in between. Now, because this uh, this story got caught up in a in a Supreme Court case and ultimate ruling, um, are you concerned about how the court has changed and and the recent rulings that just came down? Like a lot of people are talking about uh, uh, the possible demise of of uh, Supreme Court um, rulings over uh, same-sex marriage and and other LBGTQ-related um, rulings that have happened. Are are you concerned that there's a, a shift socially, um, a, a retreat from some of the progress that's been made? I, I think there's a sort of manufactured outrage and culture war that serves politics in a way that is intentionally inflammatory and not necessarily representative of how people feel overall in culture. I, I still think we're making progress every day. Um, I, I also think that we know, in, in LGBT people, especially trans people, I think we know that if all we relied on was the courts and the legal system, we'd, we'd be um, a lot worse off, worse off. So perhaps, yes, it's, it's certainly swinging conservative in those, in those legal avenues, um, but our community has always taken care of one another and are prepared to do so now and forever, I believe. Gavin, um, what, Gavin? Yeah. Gavin, where are you now? I'm living in Virginia. 
but are you are you still in school are you working what what is your life like now or 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 are you full-time on the road promoting this book i um do work i work as an educator um and a storyteller in very similar and very different ways than than kyle for sure um, recently, I was at the American School Counselors Association uh, conference, and I, I spoke there. Um, and and that, that sort of thing is is uh, what I primarily do. Now, I do, um, I hope very strongly that I can return to school as soon as possible. And when I do, I intend to become a middle or high school English teacher. And do you think that that's... Um achievable because of the stands you've taken so far and and the ultimate supreme court ruling behind that do you think um that you've opened enough doors to do pretty much what you want i think it was achievable before i think that um <laughs> good point i can be anything i want to be i think that this case has helped focus what my priorities are but Nothing was ever going to stop me from pursuing my dreams, and that includes, you know, being a teacher, being um, an educator. But sometimes, I guess what I'm getting at, um, Gavin, is that sometimes these uh, kinds of issues need to go through a process before there's a wider acceptance. Sure, but I um, I still don't believe that I would have, um, you know, maybe if I applied for a job in, in um, the, the heart of Tennessee or Texas or Florida or some, some particularly conservative area, I might have a hard time getting calls back. But generally speaking, when I'm walking into a room to do an interview for a job unrelated to my activism, um, there's no reason for it to you know, be a focal point. So I can't imagine that without having gone through this that I would have had um, trouble finding employment as a teacher. I'm also connected to and, uh, a national network of trans educators. So whenever Gavin needs that, I'm, I can connect him to lots of trans people working in all kinds of conditions all over the country. Um, we're getting fairly close to the end of our time. And because there's there's two of you, I... I always give guests an opportunity to let listeners know where they can find out more about you and your work, past, present, and future. Um, so if you have websites or, or other resources that you'd like to share, um, Gavin, let's let's start with you. Um, do you have a website? Uh, I have a um, page on the ACLU. The ACLU website has a list of their cases. My case is on that list. If you would like to do further reading about the um, some of the more legal ups and downs, the, those things that uh, the ACLU is better at explaining than I am. Additionally, I am active on social media at on Twitter at Gavin Grimm VA, um, but I'm not active anywhere else. And Kyle, how about you? I have a website and I have a Twitter, both of which are my name, which is kyleatlukoff.com. But I'd say the best way to learn more about my work is to go to your local bookstore and ask them if they have any books by Kyle Lukoff. I have books about language and poetry 
and trans kids and mermaids and all kinds of other topics. <laughs> the way you said, Kyle, the way you said trans kids and mermaids, it sounds like there's, is is there a book, in fact, where trans kids and mermaids interact? No, it's just in that order because my first mermaid book came out in May, and then Gavin's book is out now. So those are the two that are my most recent releases. Okay, well, yeah, you made it sound no, like 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 the, there was this really cool uh, undersea adventure or something. I don't know. Um, it but... is a cool undersea adventure, but uh, the octopus <laughs> friend is basically non-binary because all octopuses—I don't think octopuses have human gender. <laughs> Well, I'll tell you, it's um, it's been an honor and a privilege talking with you both. And um, what's Gavin? What's what's next for you? Um, do you have the bug about writing, or are you just completely focused on uh, on, on developing as an educator? Um, I've ever since I was a little kid, I've wanted to write stories, particularly stories for kids. Um, so maybe that's in my future for now. I am just focused on, um, doing the things I need to do in my life to continue moving forward. And, um, you know, I'm just as excited to see what's next as everybody else is. <laughs> well, great. And best of luck to you. Um, thank you both for spending this time and, and sharing this story with me and the listeners this morning and, uh, keep up the good work. Thanks so much, Tom. All right. Take Thank care. Bye bye. That was um, Gavin uh, Grimm and uh, Luke. Let me make sure I get this right. No, I keep wanting to call him Luke, and it's Kyle Lukoff. Um, anyway, uh, the two of them co wrote a book based on uh, Gavin Grimm's experiences, and uh, the book is called If You're a Kid Like Gavin The True Story of a young trans activist. And with that, we'll have uh, more of the Tom Sumner program.
Hi, this is Joe By from the Blue Lions, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans, and soon they will be available to everyone. This vaccine means hope. It will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. I want to go back to work and I want to be able to move around. To visit with Michelle's mom, to hug her and see her on her birthday. You know what I'm really looking forward to is going to opening day in Texas Rangers Stadium with a full stadium. We've lost enough people and we've suffered enough damage. In order to get rid of this pandemic, it's important for our fellow citizens to get vaccinated. I'm getting vaccinated because we want this pandemic to end as soon as possible. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. So roll up your sleeve and do your part. This is our shot. Now it's up to you. Yo, speaking. Oh, dear. Honey, our car warranty is expiring again. So soon? It just expired last week. You don't even own a car! Not now, Dana. Your father's on the phone. Hey! Mom and Dad, you're being scammed. It's a robocall. Scammers are using new technology and clever tactics to make more and more calls that look legitimate but are hard to trace. They can make it look like they're calling from any number, even from numbers of people you know. My robocall crackdown team is working with state and federal partners to stop the robocalls for good, but I need your guys' help. Don't trust your caller ID. Verify you're really talking to the person whose number appears when your phone rings. If you accidentally answer a robocall, hang up right away. Engaging in conversation will only lead to more calls. Use a call blocking app on your cell phone that stops robocalls before they interrupt your day. And if you do get a robocall, file a complaint with my office online at mi.gov slash robocalls. And mom, dad, please do not give your information out to these scammers over the phone. They're just trying to trick you. Well, at least they call. No, I get it. You're busy. But you know Janine's daughter is a doctor. She calls every week. A doctor. I'm Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel. Visit mi.gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection. It's 2022, and this year the Tom Sumner Program begins its 15th year. It would not be here without support through the years from individuals and organizations like these. Seth David Radwell. East Village Magazine. Flint Institute of Music. Hello, I'm Maestro Ricky DeMagno. Flint Community Schools. MTA Flint. Flint Comics and Entertainment. Hamity Complete Food Center. The Flint River Watershed Coalition. W.H. Weiscarver. The Genesee County Road Commission. Long Museum Auto Fair. Thomas Appliance. The Genesee Health Plan, Quiplet Technology, Mark Community College, it's Pure Michigan. Friends on Facebook have also helped by contributing to the show's online fundraisers two or three times a year. If you would like to help the Tom Sumner program continue to thrive by becoming a sponsor, send an email of interest to Tom at TomSumnerProgram.com. Add your name to the list of supporters, past, present, and future. Technical assistance for the Tom Sumner Program is provided by Swiftlet Technology, engineering and IT services at swiftlet.technology. 
Hey, this is First Ward City Councilman Eric Mays, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. Sing this boil that cabbage down, boil that cabbage down, boy. Turn that old kick round. The only song I ever did sing is boil that cabbage down. Take it, Tom. No. I, I said no. I didn't no. want to take it. No, sometimes you're not supposed to sing that. Well, sometimes a fellow doesn't feel like taking. He just stands right up and says no. I didn't want to. I didn't Tommy. know it upset you this much. What? I just don't well, want to take it. To the song. No. Too bad you caught me on an off night like that. I just don't want to take it Tommy, when a fella stands up and says. take it. I just I. You know that? You haven't even read the folk singers' guidebook. You. Oh, you haven't even read the folk singers' credo. You. You don't know what it is to be a folk singer. Oh, You're a big phony. You? Oh yeah? Yeah. Tell me, have you read the folk singers' credo? Yeah, well, are you a folk singer? Yes, I are. Okay. Then you've read the guidebook, right? And you've read the credo. Remember when you got your guitar, it came with a book? Came with a book and an Arthur Godfrey chord changer. Yeah, I read Mom read it to me. Yeah, okay. What does a folk credo say? It says all folk singers are obligated to do what? Dickie, I didn't know. Obligated to do what? Remember what it, what it said there. Uh, Say the whole credo. Come on. All folk singers are obligated to take it. That's right. He said to take it. If you feel like it. If you no, don't feel like it. It doesn't say if you feel like it. It says all folk singers are obligated to take it without hesitation, without thinking. They're to take it like a reflex. You take it, Tom. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah, well, so when know. I say take it, I want to see you hop to it all the time, every time. Dickie the dictator. Boil that cabbage down. Take it, Tom. Boom, 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 all the time. <laughs> Hundreds of years ago, the railroad started in America. Rugged men of yesteryear went on the vast wilderness of early America with a great dream in their minds, and vision in their eyes, and big nine-pound hammers clasping their hands. These were men of yesteryear building a vast railroad, a vast spiderweb of steel rails spanning across the width and breadth of the country toiling and inching their way under the, under the lucky old sun. 
They ancient toiled their way across the vast bosom of America. <laughs> I'll throw a little sex in the show. All right, all right. That's enough. But this wasn't just a fun job. You're a real garbage mouth, you know that? You're talking about history, remember? Well, there was, there, these railroad men, it wasn't fun. They faced dangers. These men of yesterday, where they went, there lurked dangers. Some of the railroad men, they'd be working in the mountains. And in the mountains, there's a lot of, lot of dangers lurking in the mountains. These railroad men sometimes would stop at, like at night when they were resting. Sometimes there's more, the nervous, some of the nervous railroad men, they'd jump out of bed in the middle of the night. They'd say, hey, I saw a danger lurk. <laughs> What kind of dangers? There was dangers lurking in the mountains and they had to build the roads across raging deserts and blazing rivers and across the plains of America and there lurked dangers. Tommy, raging deserts and blazing rivers? They were tough, man, to get across those. Yeah, I think so. And these railmen, to make it even worse, they, they were fearless men. They had to build railroads. Wait till you hear this. They had to build railroads across crevices. Deep crevices in the ground, and these railmen had to span these crevices with big railroad pretzels. And in the bottom of these crevices, oftentimes in the bottom of these crevices, there lurked pumas. Vicious pu that's right, pumas with claws and that's foam wrong. coming out of these there pumas' mouths. Tommy, that's wrong. And there, they have bad breath, too. There weren't any pumas down there. There was the pumas, and these oh, railmen, they'd say, Wow, look at those pumas down Stop. there in the well, crevice. Yeah, there, there weren't any hey, pumas. Hey, I don't want to build a railroad across this crevice. I don't care what you say. There's pumas in them. Tommy, for crying out loud, there were no pumas in the there, crevices. There, there was, wasn't even one puma in one crevice. There, there was, there there was, was not. There was three pumas in the crevice. Three. Mama puma and papa puma and baby. baby puma. <laughs> Who's been sleeping in my crevice? <laughs> Do you want me to tell you why there were no pumas in the crevices? There was pumas. You want me to tell you why? There, the reason there weren't any, we don't have any pumas in this country. The, you see? There are no pumas in America. We, we accept everybody in America, Dickie. That's right, we do. But do you want to keep your story truthful? Yes, Historically I, correct? Yes, I do. And get rid of the pumas right now. I'm not going down that crevice. Well, there was these vicious beasts in these crevices, and these railroad men were sore afraid. And these railroad men come up to these crevices, they say, Wow, look at those vicious beasts in the crevices! <laughs> sure smell like pumas. Hey, spit that out. But they weren't. But they weren't. And these railroad men were sore afraid. Yet the railroads were completed. Yes, Americans. We can look back with pride on the historical archises of American history, where these men of yesteryear completed this giant task, the transcontinental railroads. It took a Herculean effort on the part of these men, but the task was completed. And you're probably saying, you probably wonder, when since this song coming? Maybe. Well, a big feast transpired, and a sole substance for this feast, for these ravenous railroad men of yesteryear, and this big feast, the sole substance was hotcakes boiled in cabbage juice.
big giant uh, pancakes um, boil in a pot of uh, cabbage juice for several hours. <laughs> then they'd eat it. <laughs> Hot cakes and cabbage juice, those guys all think it's swell. But every time I eat the stuff, I always feel like bleh. Oh, boil that cabbage down, boys, turn that old cake round. The only song I ever did sing is boil that cabbage down. Working on the railroad, working all day long. Take it. When someone says, take it, you're supposed to take it. I suppose you've read the folk singer Credo, you shut your mouth off about it enough, and then when I say take it, you didn't take it. When someone says take it, you're supposed I'm, to take I'm it. Are you a sorry. folk singer? I'm very sorry. Don't get belligerent. I, why didn't you take it? When someone I'm not says, trying to get belligerent because you were absolutely right. You stood Boy, up. that really makes me angry when a guy doesn't take it. That's right, and it makes me angry too. And I think anybody who doesn't take it should be severely chastised, Tommy. Because you were right. The way you said take it was in a true folk tradition. You stood up there on your own two feet and you said take it with authority. You knew what you were doing. You're a, a man who, who knows where he's going. That's the way you were. You said take it. And I didn't take it. I know that I didn't take it. I, I don't know what happened. I, I assumed, see, I assumed you were going to take it. Well, but you're supposed I know to... it. I'm supposed to take it. A folk singer should never assume anybody else is going to take it. And I should have, I should have known. I should have been alert. And I, and I wasn't. I... I guess my mind was just wandering, that's all, and I, I apologize for not taking it. Now, I assure you, I'll do my best to see that it, it never, ever happens again. Honestly. I'll let it go this time. Working on the railroad, working all day long, take it. Working, 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 working. Boil that cabbage down, boys, turn, turn, oh, kick round. The only song I ever did sing, boil that cabbage, boil that cabbage down, boy. Turn that old cake round. The only song I ever did sing is boil that cabbage down. This was another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner program. Old-fashioned radio For a new generation TomSumnerProgram.com The Tom Sumner Program.com The Tom Summer Program.com From the Tom Summer trying to do a radio show down here. It's a Tom Sumner program, don't you know? Go on. Go on, get out of here.